beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. In many and various ways, we are acutely aware of the brokenness of this world. Some are suffering from difficult, different physical illnesses or forms of mental anguish and anxiety. There are rumors of wars in regions around the world, especially in the Far East. The recent crop season with the drought was difficult for some farmers and not bad for others. Many people are fearful and uncertain about the future and wonder what the impact of current events will be over the long haul. Not a few find themselves caught in the midst of suffering and loss, and it can be difficult to joyfully give thanks. The prophet Habakkuk also found himself overwhelmed by the circumstances of his time. We saw that in chapter 1, he fervently poured out his heart to God about what has been happening in Judah and in the world at large. He could not understand how the Lord could permit violence and injustice to go on unchecked. Justice was not administered to those who were sinning. Why isn't God taking action in these terrible times? Why does He just let it all happen? Why do the wicked in Judah and those outside the promised land seem to be the ones who are successful while the people of God suffer and face hardship all day long? Habakkuk was deeply troubled by these questions. The Lord heard him and gave him an answer. It was an answer which showed his sovereignty to Habakkuk and gave him renewed encouragement. In his answer, the Lord told Habakkuk that the end will come, and then the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. There will come a time when the puffed up will be exposed for what he is. Those who lived by wealth and the amount of their stolen possessions will be robbed and plundered themselves. Those who lived by injustice and sought their pleasure in wine will be filled with shame and disgrace. The worthlessness of their false gods and idols will become evident to everyone. It is the Lord alone who is the true and living God, and He will cause the righteous who live by faith to prosper in His service. He will never neglect or abandon them, but He will always care and provide for them. He lives in His holy temple. He is the living God who directs all things according to His purposes. Everyone who lives on the earth must respect Him and fear Him for who He is and give reverence and honor to Him alone. Now in chapter 3, the prophet Habakkuk prays to the Lord. It appears from the term Shigionoth that this prayer is a prayer which fits in the overall category of a lament. A closely related term is used in Psalm 7 which shows similar content to this prayer of Habakkuk.
from the very last part, which reads to the choir master with stringed instruments, it is clear that this prayer was also meant to be sung in the worship services at that time. In this prayer, Habakkuk responds to what the Lord has revealed to him in chapter 2. Throughout the difficulties and trials which Habakkuk had to experience in his time, he shows in this prayer that ultimately he finds his solace and his joy in the Lord alone. The Lord is the reason for the continual joy and thanksgiving in the hearts of those who fear him and seek to live their lives in accordance with his word. I proclaim to you God's word under the following theme. Through the prayer of Habakkuk, the Lord teaches us to rejoice in him. In his prayer, Habakkuk first remembers God's awesome deeds and second rejoices in the God of his salvation. Habakkuk begins his prayer by humbling himself before the Lord. There is no more protest, but rather a recognition of the greatness of his God. Before he had focused only on the troubles and problems of his day, but now at the beginning of his prayer, he turns to the Lord and tells him that he stands in awe of the Lord's deeds. He remembers what the Lord has accomplished for his people in the past, and he urges him to do the same in his own time now as well. He wants the Lord to revive his work. Habakkuk is concerned that the fame of God's name be known throughout the earth. He also recognizes that the nation of Judah needed to be punished for their sin before the Lord. It was not right for the prophet to concentrate on the sins of others while neglecting to acknowledge the sins of God's people. For they were many also in Habakkuk's time. The prophet knows that his people justly deserve the wrath of God. And therefore he pleads with God at the end of verse 2, in wrath remember mercy. Do not completely forsake your people and destroy them in your wrath, Lord. But have compassion on them because of your mercy and kindness, which you have made known in your many promises to our forefathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to your servant Moses. In your righteous and holy anger, do not consume your people completely, but purify them and mold them after yourself in true righteousness and holiness. Habakkuk knows that he can plead with God on the basis of his covenant faithfulness and mercy. The sins of the people need to be punished and dealt with, but the people also need God's mercy, for without that, they would perish without any hope at all. These first words of Habakkuk in this prayer are a direct response to God's last words to him. When God said in chapter 2, verse 20, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth 
Keep silence before him. Habakkuk's personal complaints are silenced when he considers the holiness of God and the great contrast between him and all of sinful mankind. Brothers and sisters, are we today in our time and place also in awe of God and His holiness? Do we take the time to think about God Himself and the reverence and honor which He deserves from us, His people? May we never get so familiar with God that we lose all sense of awe and respect. For He is holy and mighty, and His deeds are great and awesome. He continues to work out His plan in all the earth and causes His name to be glorified so that His fame spreads through His wondrous deeds. The prophet Habakkuk continues his prayer to God by mentioning many of the great acts of God which He has done for His people in the past. Habakkuk sings in verse 3 that God came from Timan and Mount Paran. These places are to the south and east of the land of Israel. Habakkuk is alluding here to Deuteronomy 33, where Moses said in his blessing to the people of Israel, the Lord came from Sinai and dawned from Seir upon us. He shone forth from Mount Paran. He came from the ten thousands of holy ones with flaming fire at his right hand. Habakkuk is recounting the glory and splendor of the Lord when he came down from heaven at Mount Sinai when the law was given. And the people of Israel trembled at the sound of the thunder and at the sound of the very voice of God. His great power could be seen by everyone. He was the one who issued the punishments of plague and pestilence which came upon the people of Egypt and also the people of Israel, in accordance with the curses of the covenant. Think of how many died of the plague when David committed the sin of counting the fighting men in Israel. Habakkuk also sings in verse 8 about how the Lord raged against the sea and was angry against the rivers. He probably refers here to the miraculous deeds which God did against the hosts of Pharaoh and the Red Sea, and how he led his people through the sea and also through the Jordan River. The Lord provided water for his people in a dry desert land. And he was the one who provided them with manna from heaven so that they would be well taken care of. And when Joshua was fighting against the Amorites, he even caused the sun to stand still in order that the people of Israel would be able to take vengeance against their enemies. We read in Joshua 10, the sun stopped in the midst of heaven and did not hurry to set for about a whole day. Throughout the history of Israel, the Lord was with his people and fought against their enemies so that they were able to triumph over them. 
Habakkuk uses many powerful images to describe the might of the Lord. In verse 13, Habakkuk speaks about the head or the leader of the house of wickedness who was crushed by the Lord. From the immediate context about the sun standing still, it appears that one of the Canaanite kings is meant. Or it may refer to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, drowning in the Red Sea, as indicated by verse 15. Whoever it may be, it is clear that the Lord is sovereign. Habakkuk fills his mind with what the Lord has accomplished for his people. In difficult times, it is vital that the children of God turn to their God and contemplate Him and what He has done for them in the past. As Habakkuk also makes clear here, God's past record is perfect. He has always rescued His people and fulfilled His purpose for them. He is the one who moves history, His story, towards His final goal. We who live today may also see how the Lord fulfilled the words which He spoke to Habakkuk. The Chaldeans did indeed come and destroy Jerusalem and take the people captive to Babylon. We also know that the Babylonian Empire fell just like so many empires before it. And other empires came after it. And so the cycle continues up until today. We also know that God was faithful to the promises which He made to His people through the prophet Jeremiah, who foretold the return from the exile. Seventy years after the exile, God's people would come back again to inhabit the promised land. For God's work was not yet finished. The fulfillment of the promises to Abraham and his descendants had not yet taken place. The great hope of the righteous in Israel was still to come in the person of the long-awaited Messiah. God was true to his word. And the Messiah came in the person of Jesus Christ, our Lord. He was born in Bethlehem and had very humble beginnings. For he had come to suffer in our place. He was the king of kings, and yet he was despised and rejected by men, and even by God himself while he hung on the cross. For it was through him that God's greatest deeds yet would be accomplished. In and through Christ, there would again be renewal and reconciliation for the people of God. For those who walk in faith, for those who were always hoping for the restoration of all things through the power of God. For Jesus Christ has triumphed over the greatest enemy of all, death itself and the evil one, the tempter who led our first parents, Adam and Eve, astray. But the tempter was unable to lead Jesus astray when he tempted him. Jesus resisted temptation through the Word of God, and he worshipped God alone. Jesus Christ suffered and died as the payment for our sins. And he has now risen from the dead 
and reigns at God's right hand on high. He rules over all creation and is guiding all things, also the events in our own time. He guides all events for the benefit of His church as a whole and for us individually as its members. He intercedes for us before the Father. He is gracious and ever mindful of our weaknesses. Do we as God's people remember His great deeds continually in good times and in bad times? There is so much in this world which can threaten to crowd out our focus on the Lord. Also in our own individual circumstances, it is possible that we lose sight of the big picture and forget to dwell upon the Lord. So often we can dwell on that which is not going well in our lives in whatever way. Let us also in our prayers remember to show to the Lord how awestruck we are at His greatness and His love for us in Jesus Christ. He is the great victor who has given us an everlasting salvation in His Son. May we always call Him to mind in all situations of our life. May we seek in all things to honor and glorify Him also through what we pray for. When we pray, let us show to Him our love and our reverence and awe. He is the great and mighty Creator and ruler over all things. May He be our pride and joy, no matter what we may be going through. May we always give Him thanks and praise. And after praising the Lord for His great deeds in the past, Habakkuk returns to his present situation and is able to come to the point of rejoicing in his God also in the midst of difficulty. And so we come to the second point. Habakkuk has just sung praise to the Lord and exalted in his greatness. Habakkuk is in awe of the Lord and the deeds he has done. There is truly no one like him in all the earth. And while on the one hand this is most comforting and encouraging, it is also most frightening and overwhelming. If you really dwell on who the Lord is and the greatness of his power and wrath against our sins, and also the particular situation in which Habakkuk finds himself at the brink of an invasion of foreign armies and God's wrath being poured out upon the people, then you can understand his fear as he expresses this in verse 16. I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Through the content of this prayer, Habakkuk has once again become aware of the seriousness of the situation, and he experiences great fear at the approach of such a powerful God. 
He had come to realize once again his weakness and insignificance over against the Almighty One. The message which he would have to bring to the people of Judah was not an easy one. He is trembling with fear at the thought of it. He is completely alarmed and overwhelmed. The circumstances of his situation are pressing down upon him, and he is unable to cope on his own. We in our own individual situations can also experience the same feelings of fear and anguish at the sound of terrible news or when we think deeply about who God is and the reality of His majesty and holiness, His wrath and great grief at our sins. If we really dwell upon Him and take His reality to heart, then we can also be overwhelmed and cut to the heart. This can come to the fore if we are faced with serious health concerns and are confronted with death. Our confession of faith is put to the test, and at times it can seem to be so much more difficult than it first appears. Or we can be overwhelmed by the circumstances of life which press upon us without relief, and we do not know where to turn or how to react. There can be times when we are overcome by fear, and our legs tremble because the force of the situation hits us like a ton of bricks. These feelings of anguish and fear are also come at the reality at the, of the coming of the Lord, have been felt by most, if not all, God's children at some time in their life, both in the Old Covenant and in our own times. And yet how blessed we may be in the New Covenant that we may know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For because of His work, we may see our own suffering and fear in the context of Jesus Christ. We may know that Jesus Christ has borne all the wrath of God against our sins so that we never have to experience that. Throughout His life on earth, He endured suffering. But especially at the end, he suffered terribly while he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He sweated drops of blood and pleaded with God to cause the cup of his wrath to pass from him, but submitted to the Lord's will also in this. It was God's will that he should suffer for our sake. When he hung on the cross, he experienced complete God-forsakenness. He suffered in a way that we will never know, for He suffered in our place. He took God's wrath upon Himself and experienced the day of calamity in its fullness. And therefore, because of Christ's suffering and His work, we may be of good courage and may have every reason to rejoice even in the most difficult earthly circumstances. For we have a God in heaven who is mindful of our cares and needs and has provided the way out through Jesus Christ, His Son. 
It is an anticipation of Christ's work that Habakkuk is able to wait patiently for the day of trouble. He knows that his joy is in the Lord alone. Even though he is trembling with fear, he can say with confidence in verse 19 that God the Lord is his strength. In verse 17, he shows that his joy is certainly not dependent on the outward circumstances of life. He sketches a scene of complete disaster. Even if the fig tree should not blossom, even if there would be no fruit on the vine, even if the olive crop would fail and the fields would yield no food, even if there is no flock in the fold and no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Even in the context of utter disaster and complete ruin of no hope, Humanly speaking, even then, Habakkuk knows that he can rejoice in the Lord and find his solace and comfort in God alone. Man, many people may try to put on a good front in the face of real tribulation and suffering. They may try certain psychological techniques which can help them along. But that is very different from the genuine joy of the child of God who knows that the Lord is his strength and refuge at all times. Even in the midst of real danger, the Christian may remain steadfast in the strength of the Lord and may overflow with thanksgiving and rejoicing. As Habakkuk sings in verse 19, The Lord makes my feet like the deer's, he makes me tread on my high places. It is the Lord himself who gives this strength to his children. It is not our own doing, as if we are so strong in ourselves. On the contrary, we are weak and prone to fail. But with Jesus Christ at our side, we are more than conquerors. And God will give us the strength to go forward as conquerors, keeping our eye fixed on the end goal which he has set before us. Let us never swerve to the right or to the left, but always seek the Lord alone and find our chief joy in him. We may go through deep valleys and experience very difficult trials in life, each in our own way. But also there, the Lord will guide and protect us and cause us to rejoice in Him and give thanks in all circumstances. The Apostle James writes at the very beginning of his letter, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. When we are going through trials and difficulties, these words can really hit us and may sound abrasive. But James and Paul and the other apostles knew what it was to suffer for the faith. And they knew through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that 
It is only when we persevere in the face of trials and adversities that we will be made complete and will lack nothing before God. He has set trials in our life in order to test us and refine us like precious metals are refined in a furnace. Through it all, He is preparing us for that great and final day. He is leading us on the path of finding our joy in Him alone, our Creator and the Provider of all good things. There is no one like the Lord our God. He has shown His love and compassion to us in every way through Jesus Christ our Lord. He has done so many awesome acts of strength which leave us amazed and overwhelmed at His greatness and majesty. When we contemplate them, we realize how small we are and also how privileged we may be to know such a holy and awesome God. May we all find our chief joy in the Lord in all circumstances and go our way rejoicing and giving thanks for all of the Lord's goodness towards us. Because He is our God, we have every reason to praise and magnify Him all the days of our life. May we shine forth as bright lights in a dark world, showing ourselves to be God's children who depend upon Him completely for every good thing. He strengthens us and He enables us to live to His praise and glory. Amen.